Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. <laughs> Over the next five weeks, we're going to have a look at some of these hot topics. Uh, mainly too, because uh, if you are watching online and if you are new to the faith, I'm going to hope the best way that I can to help you see Jesus clearly. Not what the church says about, not what Sam says about, what does Jesus say about these topics that are often uh, so real. So if you're watching online this stream, whether it's now or you're watching back in a YouTube clip, then I believe uh, there's going to be something for you in this message this morning. I'm going to read from the parable of the unmerciful servant. Peter, one of Jesus's followers, comes up to Jesus and he asks something that I think you and I feel so well, so much. Lord, how many times shall I forgive someone who sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 70 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, and here he starts his rant via story. We call it a parable. But Jesus starts telling a story. I love the way that he teaches. And he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. And since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that had been sold, uh, children and all that he had, be sold to repay the debt. Now, commentators say this debt could have been in the billions when you look at the level of gold that Jesus is talking about in this story. It would be billions in modern day terms. And the servant fell on his knees before him and said, Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything. And then, so therefore, the servant's master took pity on him. Circle that if you're reading on your Bibles or highlight it on your phone. Cancel the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found that one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins, and he grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And if you're getting the irony and the humor of this story by now, then that was Jesus' point. <laughs> this guy's just been forgiven. And so his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and the man was thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed. And went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I've cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And so in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you. Unless you forgive a brother or sister from your heart. What does Jesus say about forgiveness? Uh, I was on the, I think it's either ninth, ninth or the 16th tee of Blackheath Golf Club. I can't, I can't quite remember because I was eight or nine years of age at the time. And I was out there with my mate Greeny and his dad. Greeny hadn't played much golf before. Uh, I had, of course, being the young sportsman that I am and my obsession with golf. And so Greeny hadn't played much before. And so there was his dad on the ninth T of Blackheath Golf Course and uh, Teeny's, uh, Greeny's got a driver in his hand and his dad was crouching down to tee the ball up for Greeny because he couldn't get the ball to stay and as his dad was crouching down to tee the ball up, Greeny thought it would be a good idea to take an almighty swing at the ball and correspondingly clocked his dad in the head with his driver <laughs> and um, he, he was on the ground for about 30 seconds, we thought he was, this guy was dead. Like, we thought it was brain damage. Anyway, he, he gets up, eventually, with this almighty bulbous sore on his head. And he turns to his son and he says, Andrew, that's it. You are not playing the entire next hole. 
To which my dad said to me quietly out by the hedges of the ninth tee, son, if you ever hit me in the head like that with a driver, you are never playing golf again. (laughs) How do we get to be like Greeny's dad? Because at some point or another, the one thing that you and I have got in common this morning, at some point or another, someone has hit us in the head with a driver. And I don't mean that literally. If you have been, I'd like to know. Let's have a chat after the service. But I mean emotionally. That we've trusted someone and we've been betrayed. That we've worked hard to be integrous and someone slandered us. That you've poured your life into a child who turns around and tells you to go get nicked. That you've been friends with someone and they've done something horribly painful to hurt you. What we've all got in common this morning is the challenge that Jesus is going to speak into for each and every one of us. The thing that we've got in common is that sense of pain and what Peter feels when he asked the very question that I would ask Jesus if I was in his presence around this sort of issue. Jesus, first of all, do I have to forgive? And then the second one is, Jesus, <laughs> how much do I have to forgive? Do I have to forgive and how much? And here's what, straight away, if you're watching this and you're ready to switch off in the first 30 seconds, if you want to know what Jesus says about forgiveness, I'm going to front load it and then I'm going to unpack it for the next 15 minutes. But if you just want to know what Jesus says about forgiveness and you're watching it, it's this. Jesus says, if you are a follower of mine, if you are a Christian, if you say that you are one who follows me, if, if you are one of my family, if you are a follower of mine, if you are a disciple, no matter how many times someone has hurt you, no matter how big someone has pained you, if you are a mine, I expect you to make the first move towards forgiveness. That's what Jesus says. If you're my follower, I expect you to make the first move. Because Jesus understands the human condition, that in this pain it can be so difficult for us to forgive, to engage. And I have to be really, really careful here this morning. Because I know for some of you, um, people have caused you some hideously huge pain in life. And for some of you, that pain and the circumstances behind that pain shouldn't, from a healthy perspective, mean that you're to move back into relationship with that person. That's not what Jesus is saying this morning, okay? Um, He certainly gives you the resource to do it, but it's certainly not what he's compelling you to do. What he's saying first is you are the one to grant forgiveness. And you have a choice this morning, because if I'm taking us to the place that I'm thinking about already, as I've been preparing for this already, for you, you may be feeling some of that pain, that that person has caused you and it may be real for you or it may be something that has been there for a while but you have a choice to make this morning and you have a choice to make that that Jesus offers you that if you move into this choice it is a life of freedom and a life of de-shackling the burden that this pain can have on your life. It's the choice towards forgiveness. And so how does Jesus say to do that from this passage here? The first thing that he says is identify with the wrongdoer. Identify with the wrongdoer. Now, I'm not saying you justify the actions. I'm not saying be like the wrongdoer. I'm not, I'm not saying 
any of that. What I'm saying is stop stick-figuring the person. And Jesus says this in Matthew 18, verses 25 onwards. He says, Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and children, all that he had, be sold to repay the debt. And the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. And then the servant's master, and here we go, underline it, took pity on him, cancelled the debt, and let him go. So what does the king do? He takes pity on him, which in the Greek meant to have the heart go out to that person. It means to have your heart go out to that person. In other words, don't stick figure the person. And here's what I mean by this. Have you ever, uh, you ever seen like those types of um, street performers that used to be down at the rocks all the time. There was a street figure, um, a, a performer down at the rocks that we always used to go and see. And I don't know if you've ever seen people do this, but um, he, would, he would cut out with scissors this uh, caricature of a person. He would cut their profile out on paper. But when he did so, he would over-exaggerate the features of this person. So if someone sort of had a bigger nose like me, they would, he, would, he would cut out this profile of this person, almost this cartoon-like character of this person. And he would exaggerate all of the interesting bits of that person. And that's what Jesus is saying to us here when we think about the person that's, that's wronged us. It says, don't two-dimensionalise this person. Don't caricature this person. Don't take all the bad bits of that person and over-exaggerate them. Because I don't know about you, but here's what I do when someone's paying me. I always noun the offence. And here's what I mean by this. You ever notice that if someone lied to you and it was the lie that caused you the pain, whenever someone says, oh, what about Jenny? Your instant response is, oh, Jenny's a liar. Have you noticed that? You're nouning the offence, right? You're making them a liar. They're a liar now. You know, if, uh, if, if James, um, James is the one that's b- betrayed you, oh, they're a backstabber. Have you noticed this? In order to deal with our pain, we two-dimensionalise this person. We take the flaw in them and we reduce them from a 3D person down to a cardboard cutout with exaggerated features. Is this just me? I'll preach to myself. You know how it goes. You just nod along if at any point you feel this. Thank you. Thank you for that honesty up there. We two-dimensionalise people. And here's why Jesus' use of pity in this story is such a powerful thing. Dan Harmon, a scriptwriter, said, if you don't have a strong character to identify with, the audience will indistinctly identify with the one that they feel pity for. So ironically, in our human condition, pity connects people. Pity from a, from a, uh, a storytelling point of view connects people. Pity, Pity connects people. Why it's so vital is because whenever we are pained by someone, there's something within our little heart engine that says to ourselves when we see the source of this pain, oh, I would never do that. I would never lie. I would never slander someone's reputation. I, I, I would never hurt someone like that. <laughs> and so we, we two-dimensionalise them. Then in the lack of pity, we would draw ourselves from the situation and say, I would never do this. But theologian Mieseslav Volf puts it so well. He says... Forgiveness flounders because I exclude my enemy from the community of humans and I exclude myself from the community of sinners. To muster a genuine sense of forgiveness at the deepest level in taking pity on a person is not to excuse them, 
It's not to justify on their behalf. It's not even to go back into relationship with them necessarily, but it's, it's to say they are human like me and at my deepest, deepest, darkest places, I am just as capable of causing that pain as they are. That's what it means to identify with the wrongdoer. Jesus says forgiveness will never happen the minute that you exclude yourself from the community of sinners. The minute that you say, I would never do that, is the moment that you can't forgive. We okay with this so far? I know it's heavy. I know it's heavy for all of us. I get to sit with this for a week. You guys have to deal with it in the moment. <laughs> so you're doing well. But you identify with the wrongdoer. And here's the second thing that Jesus says. He then says, pay the inner debt of the wrongdoer. In verse 32, then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? You've got to cancel the inner debt. If someone has wronged you, the reason you feel the pain is because there's a debt. There's some form of debt. It may be a financial debt. That's fine. But more often than not, it's an emotional debt, right? There is a debt that needs to be paid. And when someone wrongs us, the reason we seek vengeance is because we feel like they owe us. There's a debt that's been created. We want them to, to pay us back for this debt. And so we, and so we do things like this. <laughs> we do things like this. Now, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. But when someone hurts me, I figure that the really healthy way that I could process this hurt and pain is that what I'll do is, uh, as I'm going off to sleep at night or as I'm uh, driving in the car, I think probably the healthiest way for me to deal with that pain is I go and take the moment that they cause that pain of mine and I decide to create an animated GIF of this moment. Now, if you're not technically inclined, an animated GIF are these little photos that you get on your mobile phone that your friend sends you. They're about 10, 5 to 10 seconds long, and it's just a repeat of about four images that go over and over again, and it creates movement to it. It's really fun. And so I take this memory that is two-dimensional, this moment in time of pain, and I animate the thing. And I, I, I just I play it over and over and over again. And my, my brain is so clever that it thinks, if I just keep playing this over that somehow I'm going to find healing and resolution from this. And so I... You get the point. <laughs> You've got to deanimate the gif. You've got to stop playing it over and over and over again. That's what Jesus is trying to get at here. He's saying deanimate the gif by paying down the inner debt. Because here's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is choosing to pay the debt yourself rather than making the other person pay. Why this is so vital, by the way, and don't miss this, that forgiveness is always granted before it's felt. Have you ever realised that? You don't, you don't feel forgiveness. In fact, some of you may not feel You may not feel it, but you grant it before it's felt. But you pay down the debt. If I went around to your place and I walked into your living area and I knocked over this vase that was on the side table of your living area and it smashed all over the floor into a thousand pieces and you say, oh, you know, whoops, I'm so sorry, um, I'll pay you back. And then that person at that moment goes, oh, well, that, that was my great, great, great mother, grandmother's vase from the Napoleonic Wars. And, uh, <laughs> 
there's a debt. And you're faced with the choice of either they pay or you pay. The pain that you feel is just as unfixable as a smashed vase from the Napoleonic Wars. And let's be real, there are emotional debts that you and I carry. Pains that we've felt, a parent that's hurt you, someone's broken your heart, a business deal that went wrong, a child that's estranged. And what are you going to do? Only one of two things. Either they pay or you pay. They can pay. You can make them pay. You can make them pay by trying to slice up their reputation. You can make them pay by trying to gossip. You can make them pay by withdrawing from them. Or the alternative is that you pay. So deanimate the gift. And Jesus says the only way that you deanimate the gift is you make that difficult decision to say, I'll pay the debt. I'll pay. I'm putting it down. Anyone need a glass of water? Because <laughs> what I'm thinking in all of this is, like you, I, I, I hear this stuff from Jesus, and I don't know if you feel the same tension. Like, it sounds so simple for Jesus to say this, you make the first move. Uh, but this is complex stuff. And there's a bit of me, and I don't know if you feel the same thing, that there's a bit of me that with some of the pains that I feel, I kind of go, well, why should I even forgive? Anyone thinking that? <laughs> I'm kind of like, stuff them. Let him do it. Let him dwell on it. Like, why, why, why should I do this? And as I've been wrestling through this personally, I, I, I want us to remember when Jesus says, you make the first move to us this morning, when he's as harsh as he is in his words, he's basically saying to us, like, um, you, you, you forgive. Forgive people or I'm going to throw you into the tortures of hell. It's, it, it's, it's literally as strong as that in his language when you read the beginning of the passage. Um, I have this revelation that I don't think Jesus is saying, you forgive or I throw you into hell. In fact, hell, when you look at the way that C.S. Lewis, for example, describes hell, hell doesn't start when you die. Hell begins now. Hell begins at the centre of a heart that is constantly churning and churning and churning over that animated gif. And you and I don't need to be psychologists to know that we can start stoking and getting the billows cranking on the embers of hell in our own heart when we dwell on pain that we refuse to let go in our lives. And so Jesus is not saying, forgive someone or I throw you into hell. Jesus is saying, look, you, don't, you make a choice. I said this morning, make a choice. But your choice to forgive takes you out of the cycle that will one day become hellish for you. Make sense? So why should we? Because Jesus wants to liberate you from a pain. And if you are listening in and watching this this morning and you're not of the faith, you've got to understand this is one of the great resources of Christianity. I just don't believe that people outside of Christianity, when they understand what the gospel is, and we'll get to that in a second, have the resource to deal with this. Only Christians are crazy enough to, for, to grant forgiveness before it's felt in the world. Everyone else in the world around them is making people pay. And that is why in the final point that Jesus gives us this morning, he says, if you want to forgive someone, you've got to identify, have pity on the wrongdoer, you've got to deanimate the gift by paying the internal debt, and then the final thing that you do in order to grant forgiveness before it's felt is that you master the art of the graceful approach. And I came up with this line because, you know, particularly being in the lower north shore of Sydney and being in our part of the world, I came to this realisation over the years, is that when sophisticated people get hurt, they don't get angry. No, 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 I don't get angry. I don't get angry at all. <laughs> sophisticated people, when they get hurt, they gracefully 
withdraw. You notice this? Am I back on camera? No. You, you, you notice this? You know, sophisticated people, we don't, we don't forgive. We gracefully withdraw from the situation. I think it's called ghosting for the younger generation. Is that it? Yeah. Okay. For all the millennials, it's called ghosting. Jesus' followers, on the other hand, move in. Matthew eleven twenty five says, And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them, so that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. And then Jesus says in Matthew 6, Therefore, and this, is, this, is, this one is vital, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, if you are in worship, says Jesus, and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave the auditorium, get out of your chair, get in your car, get in front of them, be reconciled to the person, and then come back to worship. That's Jesus' approach. Move in. The Jesus principle is you move first. You move first. If you're a follower of mine, you move first. And if you don't move, if you don't want to move, then can I ask you this question? If you don't want to move, are you after forgiveness or are you after vengeance? Well, sorry, I mean justice. <laughs> justice is that sort of word to say that we're really not trying to hurt people. Because saving face and the art of the graceful withdrawal is actually a form of hurting the person. And you've felt this when someone has ghosted you, haven't you? When they've ghosted you, it's actually a form of trying to inflict pain on you because if you love each other and you've been in a relationship, then you enjoyed being with each other. So the very act of gracefully withdrawing is an act of vengeance. And so here's what's going on. Withdrawing, you're just trying to make them pay And it's only when you have paid this debt internally, it's only when you have deeply and profoundly granted them forgiveness in your heart, are you going to be able to move in towards them, not from a position of wanting vengeance, but from a position of love and forgiveness. Don Carson, the great preacher, says it so well, for the line between moral outrage for the sake of God and his people and immoral outrage because I'm on the opposite side of a debate is painfully thin. On the issue, I may even be right. In my heart, I may be terribly wrong, precisely because I am less motivated by a passion for the glory of God and the good of his people than for vindication. You move in. You move in. And I qualify that. I'm not saying for some that have hurt you terribly that that is necessarily the end goal of what you're trying to do i understand that i get that but the miracle that i have seen in this place is to see people in relationship where everything says that they've got the right to never see each other again and because of the miracle of this forgiveness they move in towards one another And it's miraculous and it's beautiful and it's of God because the wrestle for you and I this morning as we finish is to say, how can I forgive this person when they have hurt me so much, Lord? Our question this morning is Peter's question. Our tension is Peter's tension. Seriously, Lord, I've got to forgive someone who has hurt me. And I think only until you wrap your head around the great story of Christianity will you have the resource to do this. Christianity is really simple. God was in the right. We did things that were in the wrong. And in Jesus Christ, he moved first. And so it's really simple. 
When you cry out to Jesus and you say, are you seriously telling me that I've got to move first? His answer is really simple. He says to you this morning, child, come on. <laughs> you, don't, you don't want to move into this space? I move first for you. So please don't act like a silly forgiven servant of billion dollars worth of debt and go strangling this person that's hurt you. When I'm the one that demonstrated at the cross, who did everything that I've just preached to you this morning, you feel that tension that you don't want to move first? You feel that tension that you don't want to forgive? You feel that tension that you are right? You may very well be right. Jesus was right. And still in spite of that, in his love for us, made the first move. If you're a follower of mine, says Jesus, on forgiveness, what do you do? You move first. Namely, because he wants to deanimate these gifts in your heart and he wants to liberate you this morning from these things that I know because we're human and you're like me, these things that have happened to us with people that we play over and over and over and over and over and over again in our heart. And Jesus says today, I want you to walk out of this auditorium and I want it to stop because I want you to be free and I want you to be unburdened by the way that this is tearing you up inside. And so as we come to the communion this morning, the communion emblems are going to be up there at the back table. I want us to truly, in the best way that we possibly can, live out what Jesus called us to do. He says to you and I this morning, before you even come and take this cup, let's not all get religious on this. He says, before you even come up and do this act this morning, if there is anyone in your heart that you haven't granted forgiveness to, I want you to deal with that. And I'll be careful here. I'm not saying that you've got to forgive before you get to that point. But I think you and I have a responsibility to him if we're going to take this element this morning to say, where is it that I'm harbouring unforgiveness in my heart? And to deal with that. And I want to encourage each and every one of us to take the cup and to spend a minute as this worship song washes over us. Spend a minute as we bring our gift to the altar in that sense in the chair. And I want you to bring that person, and I know we've each got one, to Jesus. And be real with Jesus. And tell him that you don't want to forgive. And tell him that it hurts. And tell him that you're angry. And tell him that you're frustrated. And bring all of that to him. And see what he does in that moment by the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's worship. Let's take communion. Let's maybe, maybe grant forgiveness the way that he calls us to this morning. Let's do that now. Well, thanks for listening to our Northside Community Church podcast. If you'd like to know more about this guy called Jesus or anything that impacted you from the message, we'd love to hear from you. Contact us at northsidechurch.org.au today.